guys. All right, you can have a seat. I know you have no place to go, so, you know. <laughs> Got some snow shoveling to do eventually. Um, yeah, what's so many people doing here on a Saturday? It's crazy. Maybe you'll like it. Come back. It's good. Good time. Um, so uh, how many um, of our moms here remember giving birth? <laughs> Anybody not? I just tuned it out. I of course you remember, and there's good reasons, there's really two good reasons why no matter what happens, you won't forget, right? And the two reasons are it was incredibly painful and a lot of suffering, right? We saw in the Genesis series whose fault that was. I don't need to say, right? Secondly, though, is that it's not just suffering, but at the end, right, that it actually produces something joyful, right? Hopefully. If you're sitting next to a teenager, maybe not so much anymore, but it used to be. No, we love you. Uh, so so it's, it, 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 you, you won't forget. I remember um, our first, who's here. He's not a baby anymore uh, tonight. Nathan, he was our first. And so it was a long time ago. I was still working at Bentley College then in the admissions office. Uh, so it was around 2003. I had a cell phone, um, but it was weird. Back then, the cell phones, they just did this weird thing like you talked on it. And that was it, right? Some of you still have one of those, right? And, uh, and, and so I didn't really, I had it, and it was kind of cool to have it. It was kind of a new thing, but I didn't really do much with it. But um, So I had it, and I remember we were across the way in, like, the little commuter cafeteria on campus with my coworkers, some of my coworkers. We were, we were eating lunch, and uh, they started asking, oh, isn't Heather due soon? Yeah, she, she was actually due, you know, and they were just like, wow, she could go anytime. I'm like, yeah, she could go anytime. Could, could have this baby anytime. And, and so my boss, Kent, I'll never forget because he hadn't had kids yet. He was a little older than me, but he hadn't. And he's just like, where's your cell phone? I'm like, oh, I left it in my office. What if she goes into labor? Like, what if she called? Like, you should have your phone. And I'm like, dude, I don't, like, what if she has that baby now? And I'm like, I don't think, I'm not an expert. I don't think that's how this works, right? So first child, I don't think so. So, uh, you know, and sure enough, I go back. I didn't have any messages from Heather or whatever. I go throughout the rest of the day. I drive home. And so it was around 6 o'clock or so. And when I got home, I realized Heather was uh, kind of neatening some things up. She had, had, was packing a bag. She seemed calmly doing this different things, taking care of the dog that we had. And, and I'm like, what's going on? And she says, oh, I started having contractions this morning. And I'm like, this morning? What is wrong with you? Like, what? you should have called me. I could have come home. She's like, it's going to take a while. It wasn't a big deal yet. It's starting to, it's starting to now, though. And I'm like, okay, right? So we got a chance to, like, you know, t- call family, to help you make sure someone could take care of our dog Morgan, you know, all that stuff. And, and so, and gradually it's like, ugh, she started, you know. And I was too, even though I wasn't in any pain. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to actually have to hold a baby at some point, you know. And, and so we, we, we go, she, she's like, I think we got to go. I'm like, I definitely think we got to go. And, and so they started getting more and more, right, more and more. And, and so we, we get in the car. We go to the hospital. And, oh, you know, I mean, you guys, your first child, it, it takes forever. We were in triage because she wasn't dilated enough, whatever that means, right. And so we're walking and walking and just getting worse and worse. Finally, we get a room takes all night, and just when I didn't think I could have enough, all right? Just to joke, moms, no emails. I won't even respond to them, right? Just when Heather pretty much had enough, right? She pushes, and out comes this beautiful baby. Granted, I thought Nathan looked a little bit like Gollum from Lord of the Rings a little bit. (laughs) 
which I thought was cool, but I was like, eh, I'm not sure I'm the father. No, I, she, it was fine. So, so it was like that, that idea that, that in the end, it was worth it. It's hard in that suffering that Heather went through, and, and she, she clearly wanted to do it again because we had grace a few years later. And, and so this uh, idea of um, birth pains, which is what we might call contractions, right? Birth pains. This became an analogy that in Jesus' day, the, the Jewish people used for um, the, the signs that would get closer and worse and as you got closer to the end, right? The end of all things, the return of the Messiah to set up the kingdom of God. And they actually called it. And so Jesus used that term, which they would have understood what he was talking about. And he uses it in the passage we're going to look at tonight. And how um, similar to giving birth, it gets more extreme and it might get worse, but it's a sign. Keep going. What if Heather and I had said, you know what, we don't really want to have this baby. Let's just, we'll just go out to dinner, go back, go to bed. Probably wouldn't have worked out very well, right? But instead, we were ready as ready as we could be, and we packed a bag, and we took care of it because we knew because of those birth pains, it was coming, and so we can know because of the birth pains, he's coming. Now, I'm going to pray. We're going to look at this one-time message from Matthew chapter 24. If you love it, you can thank me. If you hate it, you can thank Matt Trottier over here because he bought it at the auction, all right? So, it's his fault, all right? Let's pray. Father, we give you all the glory, and um, we, we do thank you. Thank you for Matt. Thank you for all the prayer he went into, um, seriousness he took of, of just saying, what does God want in this week as we look at your word? Lord, this world is crazy because of sin, and it's, it's broken, and yet you're redeeming one soul and one heart, one mind at a time. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look at what you said, Jesus, all those years ago in the Mount of Olives, that we would take such comfort just as hopefully your, your disciples did then. Use your word, O oh Father, for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. 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 So, uh, also welcome to those watching the live stream or who will watch this sometime tomorrow. It'll probably be, hopefully, a, a number since we're not going to have church tomorrow and uh, um, you know, not used to only preaching once, so I guess this is it. Usually you guys are my guinea pigs on Saturday. So, um, so if, if you, you don't have to, we'll put, I'll be kind of putting things on the screen as, as usual. But um, uh, I do recommend if you have a Bible want to turn them on or open them up or use one of the pew Bibles uh, because I have to go through a lot of Scripture rather quickly. So if you do that, it's Matthew chapter 24, okay? Um, this is in the book of Matthew. Uh, first book of the New Testament, it's what's called the Olivet Discourse. I know that sounds really fancy. It was because he gave this discourse, which just means teaching, on the Mount of Olives, right? And the book of Matthew, it's actually now, the outline of the book of Matthew is five of these body of teachings, these discourses, and this is the last one. And, and there's stuff in between, but this is kind of the outline of, of Matthew. And because it's his last one, because it's very close to when he'll be arrested and he'll die on the cross. Right? It's, it's, picture it. It's Passover time. Visitors are in the city of Jerusalem. It's a huge hub of activity. Okay? And they're at the, the temple. 
the temple is what's Herod, called Herod's temple. He did the curry favor. He wasn't a good guy, but he did the curry favor with the Jewish people. He had this thing built. It was so awesome. It was like, it was called one of the wonders of the world. It was incredible. And the Jewish people loved it. They were so proud of it. In fact, they put so much stock in it. This is where God is. and this, Like so much, right? So as Jesus is there at the Passover time, right, it says in the beginning of Matthew that Jesus left the temple. I don't think, and I'm not going to pause every three words, I promise, okay? Uh, But I don't think that this is by accident that Matthew puts it this way. While all, including his own followers, are looking at how glorious the temple is, Jesus says, see ya. Because the temple represented the Jewish leaders who were rejecting God's son for their religiosity. Rejecting God's son and God's plan of redemption because they had their own plan that was tied into a building. So Jesus leaves, and, and while going away, his disciples went, wait, Jesus, whoa, 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 whoa. They, they came to point out to him all of the buildings of the temple. Look at how awesome it is. But Jesus answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. This is shocking. What? You see, for the Jews, like, that's incomprehensible. This is where God resides. Like, it, that can't happen. What are you doing? Like, this shocked them. And it was like Jesus said that. He's like, all right, let's take a walk, right? And he starts walking, and they go to one of his favorite places, the Mount of Olives, where it was up a hill, and you could see in the distance this huge temple, right? You still see it. And so they get there, right? And, and it's there that the disciples are still talking. Like, what did he mean by that? It's going to be destroyed. So as Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So, (laughs) they ask two questions, but they think they're only asking one. Notice how what they're saying is this, because in their mind, just, just like all, they were, most of the Jewish flavor at that time was that. If the temple would be destroyed, it means that's the end. And the end means the Messiah comes back, and they certainly believe that it's Jesus. So they're saying, okay, you just predicted the temple's going to be destroyed, so you're also talking about when you're going to return. When's that going to happen? How will we know? The problem is, and that's what Jesus is going to start talking, is that Jesus knows that they're actually asking two questions. When the temple's destroyed and when he returns, there's a huge gap of time in between. They're two different events. They're not one. And that's the key. I need you to hear me. That's one of the keys. That's one of the reasons, I think, that so many, and you need to hear me, so many solid, great, smarter than I, biblical scholars look at this and disagree on so much. It's because Jesus is giving the answer to two questions, the destruction of the temple and the signs of when he's coming back. And he's kind of intermingling them into one. And so we're left going, well, when is he, what, which, which verses is which? And I'll do my best to give you what I think, this, the, the, the big picture of what he's, what he's saying. Um, but you need to understand. You need to understand that you've got to hold it loosely. There, we, it's intentionally murky. 
So we're going to go through that a little bit, and you may say, I don't really know, and that's okay. Well, what if that, that's okay. I have a question about, that's okay. But we're going to land with what we do know. I love those places. That what I have absolute guarantee of what Jesus was saying, and it's really important. Okay, so what, what, why did they think it was one, uh, like just kind of one event? They thought that a lot about a lot of things from Old Testament prophecy. And I've used this analogy before, okay? It's kind of like a mountain range. If you've ever looked, imagine you're coming to a mountain range and you're still a distance away from it. It's a mountain range, right? And it looks like one place. You're going to get there and you're just there. You're at the mountain range. That's the Old Testament prophecy. It just seemed like, uh, you know, a lot of things was like, it's just going to happen, and then it's going to be done. But a, a mountain range, right, if you've ever walked closer to one, right, is you start to realize as you get closer, what? There's depth to it, right? It's, it, it's, it's further on. You know, there's, there's a lot more depth. And there's several mountains. It's still one range. It's still one mountain range, but it's several different mountains, and as you continue to go further, right, and you're actually in the mountain range, you realize, wow, these mountains, there's a lot alike, and I'm not sure how far this goes. It's going to end, but I'm not really sure when. And so what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you to see is that Jesus is, I believe, giving us an, an answer to their question. He's giving us the birth pains, the signs of the entire age, which we call the church age. So when Jesus dies, he rises, he, ascend, he ascends, Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, the church is formed, and now here we are, a little bit over 2,000 years later, waiting for the culmination of that age is that's when he returns, which is the, their question, right? When and how will we know when you're going to return? And I think what he's saying, they're, they're like, they think it's one event. And, and, and what he's saying is it's, it's one event as a mountain range, but it's got a lot of depth to it with a lot of mountains and a lot of birth pains. In fact, we're in the middle of the mountain range right now. Or maybe we're towards the end. <laughs> but we're in it. And that's the point. So as, as he goes through this in his, in his answer, I think, and again, there's, there's lots of, <laughs> you can find someone to look at, like, is he talking just about uh, the, 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 the whole age, like I just said, or is he talking about the destruction of the temple, or is it both? And so the, the destruction of the temple was an event that actually happened less than 40 years after Jesus said this. Maybe you've heard about it. It was called the Jewish War, and it was, it was in 70 A.D., and it took a couple of years. Titus, the Roman general, and because of a lot of zealots and, and Jewish rebels, they came and they sieged the, the, the they laid siege. They, 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 man, there was, there was parents cannibalizing their own kids. It was horrible. And they finally entered and they destroyed the city and they destroyed the temple. That was in 70 AD. So Jesus was talking about that, but he wasn't talking that that was when he was going to return, obviously. Some of it he's going to be referring to that. Some of it he's referring to the whole age. So in the beginning, let me take you through some of it. He, he says in verse 4, I think he's talking about the whole thing. Listen to what he says. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. It's funny how he starts that way, right? For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. So I think, like, whether it was in that first generation all the way through 
the, the history of the church to this very day, when there is a birth pain, when there is persecution, when there is trouble and sorrows, when these things happen, we're prone, aren't we, to false teachers. We're prone to someone who will give us some hope. We'll just, just right, we, we're easily swayed if we're not careful, and Jesus knew that. Watch out during these times because there's going to be false teachers that are going to say, come here. And we've seen that throughout the church. People say, I'm Jesus returned. Or Jesus gave me special information. Come, I'll, I'll show you. It, it's, it's how it always works. Because if we, like Jesus even said, if you build your house on what? Rock. That's me, not sand. Because if you build, if you build uh, your house on, um, on, the, on the beach... That seems like a great idea in the middle of a nice summer day, right? Go out your door, like, oh, look, I'm already on the beach. And a storm comes. Well, that was dumb. Your house is gone, right? And that's Jesus' whole point. Fine, things are going well. You can, you know, play at this whole religious game. But when, when the birth pains happen, when, when sorrow comes or persecution or it's hard or you're not sure what's going on, if you build your house on the rock, you will endure Watch out, though, because you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to listen to people. I mean, we have, why do you think, people who are going through a hard time or have questions, they're the ones that are susceptible. Who do you think um, call scammers most go after? Uh, Older people. There's no older people here, so I'm not talking about you. Don't worry. You know why? A, they're the only ones that pick up the phone anymore. Or pick up the phone when they have no idea who's calling. That's madness. Why would you do that? I have no idea. But you do it. My dad does it. I'm like, Dad, why are you answering the phone? Hello? You know, it's like, what are you doing? And a lot of older people, not all, but a lot of older people, they got a tight budget, right? And they're a little worried about money. They're a little worried about that. And so somebody offers them something. Or they're worried about their health, right? That somebody, and they're susceptible because it's a mini storm in their life. And somebody's offering them some bill of goods. And that's happened throughout church history. If you just send me $100, right, I will bless you, and $1,000 is coming your way. Ever heard something like that? It's insane, right? But they're preying on people that are like, eh, I need something. I'm, I'm lost. I'm, I'm financially hurt, right? And they, I need that. Or they got a health problem or something like that. Jesus says, watch out. I'm going to go quicker. Don't worry. We're not going to be here all night. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Right? And they all kind of knew what he was talking about. The, the, the beginning of what the signs are that he's returning that God's kingdom will be set up. And so uh, he, he says, that, and again, this is why I think he's talking about the whole age. Wars? I mean, they had wars. The Jewish war of 70 AD was one of them, but they had them all over the place. Think about it, especially during big wars, people think, man, this is it. World War I, they thought this was it. World War II, they definitely thought this was it. I mean, this is a maniac killing a bunch of Jews. I mean, this has to be it. That's the Antichrist right there. He was an antichrist, but not the antichrist. And then the Cold War, and then even today, oh my goodness, this is happening and that's happening. It's got to be the end, as we'll see. Maybe. 
But he says, these wars, don't let them make you panic. Yes, they're a birth pain. They show you the world has unrest. The world needs a savior, and I'm coming. I will redeem. But not yet. It's the beginning, right? It's the, it's, it's the birth pain. But remember what the birth pains are supposed to make you do. Be ready. Be ready, right? He, he continues, right? He says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Again, we've seen that throughout all the church age, even in their generation. They all, every one of them, but John was martyred for their, for their faith. John didn't have it easy either. And then, so persecution came. The first 300 years, essentially, the church was on the run. But they were the scapegoat for so much constant persecution. And that hasn't changed throughout. We're still in the mountain range, right? The last century, the 20th century, more people were murdered for Christ than the rest of the centuries combined. Like, it's still happening all over the world. And he says, this will happen. And persecution, what that does is drives people who aren't real Christians, they just think it's a cool hobby or something, right, that they'll be driven away, and then they actually turn around and hate those who are still faithfully following Christ. Have you ever seen that? I'll bet you have. Maybe you've even experienced it. He says, these are all signs of what's happening. And they're hard. Ah, they hurt. Don't give up because you know what's coming. You know what those signs signify. Right? And then um, verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, he's not saying you work for your salvation. He's just saying if you're really in Christ, you really have the Holy Spirit, you really say this is it, you're building your house on his word, on his promises, on the rock, that it will get hard. And yes, I think it'll keep getting harder and getting harder, but you will be saved because you will endure in Christ. Do not lose heart. Do not give up. For these are all signs that point you, I'm coming, I'm coming. Don't give up. I'm coming. And so in, in, in verse 14, it's a real interesting one. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. This has been a great verse that people have used um, to, to say, man, the real clock, which I think is, is true, certainly to a degree, about Jesus coming back is about the gospel. That's why we have missionaries going to deep just tribes so far away, right? Like to try to bring the gospel to everyone. And I think that's beautiful work, and that's what Jesus told us to do. So it's good, and we keep doing it. We should. With all our heart, we should. But as I studied it, you know, in the first, century, the first generation, they truly believed they brought to the gospel to the end of the known world. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, right, to the ends of the earth. They actually accomplished that in that first generation. That doesn't mean there's not still people that need to hear it, and we shouldn't still do it. But you can actually take this verse, at least the way I do, is he's saying everything. Once that happens, which it has, he could come any second. Now, he says, and then the end will come. He doesn't say when. In fact, we're going to see in a little bit where he says, I don't know. (laughs) But it can. So if it could happen in five seconds from now, the real question isn't when. The real question is, am I ready? That's the real question. But we'll get there. 
And so now what I, what I think, um, uh, I think there's really good literary reasons that we won't get into to think in verse 15, he starts really uh, zooming in on the destruction of the temple. Remember, they asked two questions. When, what are the signs of you coming back? What about the destruction of the temple? And so here he says in verse 15, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now in four places in Daniel he uses that term, abomination caused desolation. And, and most Jews, and I think rightfully so, saw that fulfilled in the in-between the Testament period, before Jesus was born, right? And with the Maccabean period during the revolt, if you know any of that history, that there was this guy called Antiochus, and he actually went into the temple, and he, uh, he raised a statue to Zeus, and he started sacrificing pigs. Now, if you have any Jewish knowledge at all, there's nothing worse that you can do. And so he fulfilled Daniel, but I think what Jesus is saying is like birth pains, like a mountain range, it keeps happening. This false worship to mock our God right in what they think is his face. And the Romans in 70 AD did the same. They just they didn't erect uh, statues to Zeus, but they desecrated what they believed to be the holy place of God. And then he continues. He says that, that um, let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one uh, uh, who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pr pray that your flight may not be in the winter of a Sabbath. For, there, for then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been, not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, it never will be. That verse is what kind of gets a lot of scholars all, like is he talking about the, the great tribulation at the end, before, right before? Maybe. Is he talking about the culmination of 70 AD, which was horrific? Maybe, right? And, and so the answer, though, is just Jesus is, is saying that when that happens, and if you look at the history, you read Josephus, a Jewish historian, it, what he said com came completely true. People running for their lives, hiding from just starving to death. It was horrible. Just as Jesus said that when the, the, that time period of the temple being destroyed would be. So what I think is he's, he's saying within the mountain range that 70 AD, the destruction of the temple and all that it went with, was a huge mountain. It was a huge birth pain amongst all the others in the age of the church. And all of it, including that horrible, horrible, horrible event, was a sign. Do not lose heart. Be ready. I'm coming. This world is full of brokenness, which you see in in, in earthquakes and famine and disease and wars and sin, and I'm coming. I'm coming. So what I think is, is he, he in, in verse 22, he, he brings it back out, right? That he's, he's talking, again, about uh, the whole mountain range that, that's still not yet to reach the end. Maybe it's soon. And, and he says, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short, right? So, again, there's a lot of debate. Is he talking still about 70 A.D. here? Is he now? And I think he's talking about the whole thing. This is this because he uses the word elect. He's talking. That's and 
He's saying very inclusive language. No human being would be saved. So what he's saying is, I think, the birth pains, just like moms when you were, when, when you were ready to give birth, they're going to get worse. It's like a mountain range. There's a lot of these things going to happen. There's still going to be persecution. There's still going to be earthquakes. There's still going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be all of these things. Some people will die for their faith, and, and they're going to intensify and get worse and get worse, and they're going to get to a point where everyone is ready to give up, just like maybe you were before you gave birth to that beautiful baby. And he says, by God's grace, it's at that time that it will all come to an end. And you will endure. You will make it. Not because you were strong, but by his grace. So he says, then, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. (laughs) There's tricks. There's also evil power. There's all kinds of false, like, come over here. Believe me. This, right, and, and he goes on, because this, people have, you've, you can read about people who have done this very thing throughout church history, and still today do, and will again, and it'll just get worse. He says, see, I have told you beforehand. So if they say, look, he, meaning Jesus, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Most Jewish people believed that, that, that he would come in the wilderness like John the Baptist did. And so a lot of false messiahs would go out into the wilderness and say, I'm here. He says, no. Others say, hey, secret, come on over here, a group of you. I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm the messiah. Or I know something. So many cults have been born that way. Right? The secret knowledge. It's, it's not new. It's been going on since that first generation till today, and it's just going to get worse. So he says, but all of that, people saying, oh, I'm Jesus. Or, he says, this is why you don't need to believe any of it. He says, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Now there's a proverb for you. I'm just going to start using that randomly. What do you think? I don't know. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. What? What are you talking about? So we really don't know what that means, but it it certainly backed up what he was just saying. And here's what that is. It's that when I do come, it's going to be like lightning. So a few things. Unexpected, and it's just everyone sees it. Boom. There's not going to be, oh, I heard Jesus is over there in an encampment. He's not going to be born in a manger with a poor family around him. It's not going to be a bunch of shepherds, right? It's going to be so every single one in this world will know. You could be an atheist, an agnostic, some other religion, whatever, you will know. But here's the thing, when it happens, it's too late to do anything about it. That's his point. You will know. You will know. Everyone will know. He then goes into, which I don't have time for to get into a lot, a lot of what we call apocalyptic language, which is what Revelation is, highly symbolic. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Why would, why would tribes mourn? Why would it be Will you be sad when you see Jesus? I hope not. It's one or the other. You're either going to mourn because you realize in great judgment that you've never trusted the King of Kings, or you're going to bow in exuberant joy because it is your King in all of his glory. The Son of Man in Daniel, right? It's a title of honor and power and authority and glory. He's coming. Everyone will see, as we already sang tonight, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, some in mourning and some in rejoicing. Which is it for us? That's the point. Is that's you will know when I come. These are the birth pains, and you feel them, and you, you, can, you can know it's going to happen. When it does, there will be no mistake. He says, and he shall send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know the summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Right? So all of these mountain range mountains that we experience, that our forefathers and generations experienced, right? Everyone, I think it's the end. I mean, 1000 AD, everyone thought it was the end, turn of the century. Anyone lived through Y2K? World War II, World War I, today, right? It's, there's all kinds of these signs. They, they, they should point us to saying, come, Lord Jesus. But are we ready? Are we ready? And so he's the fig tree that would cut out, get these little trees. You saw summer is coming. When you see all these signs take place, no. Everything is ripe for him to return. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. So this is admittedly one of the hardest verses for people in the Scripture. Well, what do you mean? How can all of what he said happen in the very generation that he's talking to? And that's why I think that everything did happen that needed to. It doesn't mean we're not still in the age, still in the mountain range, still, but everything was right for him to come back. He just hasn't yet. Right? And there's others that have other takes on that verse, and very good, and they're smart, and you can read about them, and they might be right. We hold this loosely, but what we do know is a few things, okay? Because again, I just gave you what I kind of think he's doing here with a lot of the study that I did, and I might get to heaven, and Jesus is like, eh, you blew that one, but it's okay. You did your best. And the reason I think it's okay is he intentionally left it a bit murky. And when he does that, it's just he's kind of saying, guys, don't worry so much about that. It's fun to discuss. But here's what I really want you to know. So that's what I want to leave with you, okay? A few things. One, that, that we get from what he said is that Jesus will return in glory, power, authority, and judgment. He will judge the living and the dead. It will happen. You won't miss it. It didn't already happen, right? It's not going to be something that if you, if you weren't on the edge of your seat, you missed it. 
It's going to happen, and if it happens in our lifetime, you will know. But here's what we're certain of, right? Here's what we absolutely know, is that he's coming back. And, and the birth pangs will get darker. And the, perse- and the, and the, and the, and the persecution and the, the pain of trying to follow Jesus in a world that largely hates him is hard. And as you experience that and want to give up, say, wait a minute, no. Satan wants me to give up. Jesus said, let that be a sign to say, he's coming again. It's true. Everything he said, his word, is true. It's certain that he's coming. And here's the thing with that. And this is, I don't know if you need to hear this or not. Maybe someone who will watch this later. (laughs) Is when he does, it's too late. There's not going to be a last church service offering up the opportunity for repentance. It's like lightning and he judges the living and the dead. And so we need to be serious. Listen, it's not to scare anybody. Nobody gets scared. I don't think. I mean, maybe you got scared into believing. Most people don't. It's just sober-minded. Listen, you, you look around the world. I don't know if this world's crazy. Yeah. Yes, it is. This world's hard, yes. This world hurts, yes. So it all should point you to saying, there is someone greater in this Jesus. He's, he's true, and he's coming, and, and, and it's certain. And so if it is certain, there's a second thing along that that we need, and we need to hear this. It will be unexpected. You hear me when I say that? It's like Lightning. Okay, it's, it's, it's how many, not just today, but throughout church history that have tried to figure out when Jesus was returning is mind-boggling to me. Like, I'm not a brilliant guy, but I look at what he said and say, well, why are you doing that? Why are you trying to figure it out? Look at what it, it later on in, the, in, in, in the, the chapter. He says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son but the Father only. I'm really glad Paul brought that up around communion because in his uh, emptying in the flesh, he willingly put aside some divine knowledge and attributes. So in that state, he's like, hey, I know it's going to happen. I don't know when. If Jesus, who no one's ever been more connected to the Father, doesn't know when, that dude running the dark website that somebody reads, how does he know? Right? I don't know, he said this about, like, you don't know. It's going to be unexpected purposefully. He says, but as, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So when Noah was, was doing the ark, like not even he did. He knew it was happening, and he was ready, right? But if you were living in that day, he's not even mentioned anything about sin. That's just life. People getting married, people living life day after day. Nothing's going to change. Except for that crazy fool building that huge structure. I don't know what's going on there. Other than that, everything's the same. And then there wasn't a bunch of little things. People go, I think, see, this is happening. No, no, no. Boom. And that's exactly when he comes how it's going to happen. It's going to be unexpected, right? There's no syllabus. Like if you've ever been in a class where it says this test, and you know which week you can kind of fluff off. We have any of our college students here. 
I can, I can kind of go easy that week. But this week, i got to get my A game. There's a paper due. There's this due. That's purposefully why it's left. That's not how this goes. Otherwise, we would all just be like, eh, I'll be ready once that happens and once that sign goes. And then, once that, then I'll get serious. No, 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 no. It's unexpected. If, um, if it's unexpected and it's certain, as I've mentioned already several times, I think the biggest thing, when everyone ever asks me about eschatology, about end times, I said, I think it's all in the scriptures to teach us this one lesson. Be ready. Regardless of how you might approach it, how you might approach your, your, your theology, and, and, and there's all different over the map, it's fine. Are you ready? That's what matters. It's not a syllabus. And, if, and, and, and I get it, right? Like this is what he said. Uh, I'll just give you the one verse later on in the same chapter. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. He's spiritually speaking. He's not saying you can't go to sleep tonight, right? Spiritually speaking, he says, wake up. Some of us, there's been plenty of times in my own life, so I'm not lecturing you. I'm telling you, some of us need to wake up. Wake up. This isn't about just, oh, I hope I'm not doing something dumb when Jesus comes back. You've heard those, right, in Sunday school. Do you want Jesus to see you doing that? I mean, he sees it anyway. What are we talking about, right? It's not about that. It's about are you ready in faith, right? Some people I've heard are like, ah, I'll, I'll get serious about my faith later on. Right now I'm just going to. Like when maybe when I'm a parent, or maybe that day, or maybe that day. It's like you might have 50 years, you might have 20 years, you might have two minutes. That's the point. He could come back before I finish this sermon. That would be awesome. <laughs> Best sermon ever, last sermon ever. Done. I won't have to shovel tomorrow at all. He might. That's the point, right? So, so be ready, right? Like, like um, the, the, the idea is this. Is that right now, are you able to say, in my life, whatever comes, whatever birth pain, whatever hardship, whatever persecution, whatever, that he is enough. He's enough. Jesus is enough. His cross is enough. There's, I cling to him. I cling to my Savior. And we did a funeral today of Phyllis who, who died of cancer the whole time through that when I talked to her. She just said, Jesus has got me. That's being ready, whether you end your life or whether the Lord comes back, is saying, you're enough. You get serious about building your life on the rock, not on the sand. It's saying, and I don't know if you've done this, putting all of your chips to the middle of the table. I'm not living into it. I just claim Jesus. I, I claim Jesus. That's it. Not me. Him. So when he comes, I'll say, that's him. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. You're a sinner, Satan will say. <laughs> God doesn't see that. It's been paid in full. I'm saved by his grace. I cling to the cross. And so if you are a Christian, then I think the, the, a lot of it, I'm not going to give you much at all because of, of time, but a lot of the rest of the chapter, to me, is, is telling us, Yes, it's unexpected, and it's certain, and we need to be ready. And the way we're ready is not, hear me, to sit in a bunker with maps and charts and scrolls, if you're really cool, and say, do we have enough canned goods, honey? 
That's not what being ready is. And I'm not saying don't have canned goods and the power could go out for a while. I'm saying being ready is living your life the way he said to do it. And he gives several parables throughout the, 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 the chapter 24 and then even into chapter 25. Parable of the vir- virgins being ready, right? Not falling asleep. But then he also gives us um, this one. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food all the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Isn't that awesome? There's rewards in heaven for those who are faithful here. And nobody might know what you do and who you are, but God does. And heaven will know. Heaven will know. And so what do we do? How, how do we ready? It's like, it's, if you're not a Christian, it's a simple solution. Become one. Trust Christ. Put your faith in Christ. Believe that he died for you, right? But a lot of us, I'm looking around, you're here, you know, snowstorm weekend. So a lot of us have already done that. And so it is to be ready in some moment by moment. Some of what that next series is going to be about, I think. But he says, because he says one of his parables is like, hey, while the master's away, are you going to beat the other servants? Or are you going to love on them? Are you going to take care of them? And if you're like thinking, I don't know when he's coming back, I'm going to sow my oats. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to do whatever I want. That's not ready. Ready is is if you look at that chapter, stewardship and evangelism, evangelism is just part of stewardship. He says, take care of what I've given you. Know that I could come any moment, and I want to find you faithful, right? I want to find you with faith, and then once you have that, to be faithful with whatever I've given you. (laughs) Don't bother yourself so much about trying to figure out every second or what. Instead, be faithful. Be faithful stewards to, to our children, to our grandchildren, to our children in church, not just our own flesh and blood, to our teens. Some of you, I, I couldn't keep Pastor Josh out of my office this past week because he kept going, I can't believe our church. Not in a bad way. It's never with him anyway. He's like, the, the people who have given the snow camp, it's amazing. It's crazy. I've never seen such generosity. And I'm like, well, that's who we are. You said the teens need help. People gave. That's stewardship. Not everyone. It might not have been the thing that God led you to do, but some of you did. Some of you might give towards missions. Some of you might give your time towards feeding the homeless or serving in Worcester or whatever it is. But it's, it's all part of being ready. It's not just volunteering our time. It's stewarding. It's saying we want the gospel to be proclaimed in our kids' lives, our teens' lives, our neighbors' lives. So maybe it's inviting a neighbor around the table and loving on them and being generous towards them and sharing Christ with them. But are you ready? And it means to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth, and it means taking care of what God's given us, moment by moment, day by day. And when you blow it, when you're selfish, you remember you have a Savior, and he's paid for that in full. Get back up, wake up, and be ready. The birth pains are all around us, and they're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Do not lose heart. Do not give up hope. Remember, he comes. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. 
Thank you for Jesus. You sent your only son so that whoever might believe in him will have eternal life and not perish. This is your promise. We cling to that. So I pray, Lord, for anyone in this room who might watch this or is watching this. And they've just never been serious about their faith. Christianity maybe is an inquiry or maybe it's a hobby or maybe it's just something they do once in a while. Oh, Lord, would you open their heart to believe and get serious, get serious about who you are. Lord, for the many believers that are with me right now, would you, we know there's so many birth pains all around us that we see in the news, that we experience every day of our lives, hurts, sorrows, persecutions, and they're hard, Lord. And if there's anyone you know, I don't, you know, anyone here that's kind of dragged themselves in here and just was wanting to give up or thinking about, I just can't do this anymore, would you bolster their heart, remind them that you are with us to the end of the age, and at the end of the age you come in power and authority and glory. Give us the hope that we desperately need, Lord. And Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you'd show us how to steward well. While you're away and while we wait and while we experience this world, and however long it might be, that we would steward well what you've given us. Our abilities, our talents, our time, our monies, our, our families. We would see it all as a gift from you to steward in Christ. Help us to be ready. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Stand if you can.